This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit, in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest, and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest hosts and presenters, the former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and the Honorable Morris McTeague, QSO. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Welcome to America's Roundtable. Good morning and welcome to America's Roundtable. It is Saturday, and this weekend on America's Roundtable, we're truly honored to have a great American patriot joining us, former U.S. Congressman David Bratt, who served the Commonwealth of Virginia's 7th District from 2014 to 2019. Dr. Bratt served on the House Budget Committee, and as a member of the House Freedom Caucus, he led the charge in Congress for a more fiscally responsible budget process. Dr. David Bratt is the Dean of the Liberty School of Business in Lynchburg, Virginia. Dr. Brad also served as the president of the Virginia Association of Economists, and we must also convey a word of deep appreciation to our special guest, Dr. Brad, who also serves on the International Leaders Summit's Executive Advisory Board. Welcome, Dr. Brad. It's great to have you back on America's Roundtable. Welcome, Dr. Brad. Thank you, Joe and Natasha. Always great. You guys got the best energy in the world. Uh, keep, keep doing what you do. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Brad, inflation pressures are persisting yeah. with 8.3% annual rate in April, with prices of gas and grocery items reaching new highs. And according to the data provided by the AAA, today's national average for a gallon of gas is at $4.97, which is 64 cents more than a month ago and $1.90 more than a year ago. Yeah. And in order to tame inflation, Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rate for additional 0.5% at their meeting on June 14 to 15. According to the new poll by the Wall Street Journal and the University of Chicago's NORC, Americans are showing highest levels of economic dissatisfaction in years. The Wall Street Journal writes that the pessimism extended beyond the current economy to include doubts about the nation's political system its role as a global leader, and its ability to help most people achieve the American dream. Some 83% of respondents described the state of the economy as poor or not so good. More than one-third, or 35%, said they aren't satisfied at all with their financial situation. And Dr. Brad, what are your thoughts about the state of the U.S. economy and what can be done to improve its outlook? That's a huge question. And the one thing I'd say uh, to the 80 percent of respondents who are unhappy with the economy is uh, why did you vote for the people who created this economy? Right. So uh, this is a, a nation of by and for the people. And uh, you're getting hit uh, upside the head in every direction right now because you put the wrong people in office. And so, number one, the American people got to get their head on straight. It looks like it's getting on straight. On inflation, uh, Milton Friedman said inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. And so the Fed was printing, you know, in, increasing in M2. You can go out to Fred 
which is the uh, database, and look at M2. If you Google M2, you'll see the money supply. They were still increasing the money supply by 24%, right? It should be increasing at about 2%, which is GDP growth, right? That's what Milton Friedman and John Taylor at Stanford would say. John Taylor's the Taylor rule. He, he took up the mantle of Milton Friedman. And so that 24% is now down to only 12% or so last time I checked, but it's still growing at 12%. It's inflationary. So they still have one foot on the gas pedal while they say they're increasing interest rates and trying to slow things down. They're nowhere in the ballpark, right? So I hate to get too technical, but if you follow the Taylor rule, he suggests the federal funds rate should right now be at about 7%, not 0.5% plus 0.5% that gets you to 1%, right? We're nowhere in the ballpark of, of cooling down the economy uh, enough to get rid of inflation. And you first have to get rid of inflation because it's that's the terror. Once the horse is out of the barn, it causes destruction of the entire price system. And uh, I just heard a good commentator. It's very interesting, right? So the Fed you know, created inflation, uh, too much money chasing too few goods back in the 07 uh, period and, and led to the financial crisis. Uh, they, that, that's called the Greenspan put. They always come to the defense of Wall Street with these 0% interest rates to bail out Wall Street. Uh, you at home don't have anyone coming to bail you out, right? So Wall Street gets bailed out. Now they've done it again. Now it's not a real estate bubble. It's called the everything bubble. That's right. And if you want to get smart, just go out and Google that, right? It's all over. Every financial page in the country is calling it the everything bubble. That means all that money they printed now is pushing up stock prices and all bond prices and all real estate prices, and all commodity prices. Uh, and the Fed is very well aware uh, that if they slow things down too fast, that whole, that whole bubble is going to pop and cause serious damage. And then some people say, well, the Fed, you know, a bunch of PhDs, and they're very smart. They're, they're, they're doing a good job getting us out of this because you can't raise rates too much because we got $30 trillion in debt on the government side. And if you raise interest rates, well, then you got to pay interest on all that debt. Well, uh, not so fast, uh, free market friends. You should have raised interest rates and shown the American people the full pain of going into $30 trillion in debt. That's why you don't go into $30 trillion in debt. So now the Fed has constructed a terrible scenario. They can't raise rates because we put uh, the, the American people have voted for $30 trillion in debt. It's on the American people. They're the ones that want the continuous spending high, uh, but the party's going to come to an end. And I, I, I hate to say that, I'm not happy about that, but the American people have made catastrophic mistakes uh, fiscally. The, the Fed has messed it all up on, on behalf of the elites and the gas prices and all this. I just want to get a, a couple things out straight. The left is saying, you know, energy prices are up. That's inflation. It's Putin's war. That's causing inflation. Electric cars cause inflation if you don't have one. Uh, that's nonsense, right? Friedman had it right. It's, so don't get confused if the price of something goes up. That's not inflation. Inflation is where the entire price level for the whole economy goes up. That's inflation. So if you don't print more money, I'm, I'm, this is the simple lesson, here, right? If you got a $100 bill in your hand and the price of gasoline goes up and you got to buy that, well, guess what? The price of the other stuff has to go down, right? So if you don't print more money to accommodate right, more government spending, higher gasoline prices, higher baby formula, all this. The Fed just printed more money to accommodate. Don't do that. Keep the $100 bill, 
if you want to pay more for this, the prices on the other stuff have to go down. That's how markets work. And the interest rate is the price of money. So it's not just a price. It's the price of, of the entire price mechanism that runs our free market system. And we've messed it up. So there's a short little tutorial that hopefully clarifies some of the mess we're in. And actually, as we said, the gas prices may go up because of an additional crisis that is happening right now. Right. And we, we just read about yes. the U.S. Treasury Secretary Yellen said this past week that U.S. and our European allies are working on imposing oil price cap on Russia's oil. And as they are trying to simultaneously reduce Russia's revenues and prevent further spikes in oil prices, there is a risk of Russia reducing its current output, leading to high prices to the rest of the world buyers and hence higher revenue for Russia and simultaneous shortages of gas supply. Uh, Dr. Brad, what are your thoughts about this development and why is the U.S. administration not focused on increasing home production of oil and gas and restoring energy independence? Well, my little joke for you is they are focused. They're focused like a laser beam of doing the exact opposite of what you just said. Right. They have constructed this green agenda back since Al Gore, where a huge sector of the, in addition to Obamacare, right, 20% of the economy is healthcare. Now they want to run the entire energy grid through Washington, D.C. and take taxes and revenues and, and give their crony patrons uh, favoritism. And so uh, they've constructed the American people. We, it's an education problem, right? When you, when you learn about the rare earth minerals and all the things required to have an electric car and all the energy it takes to produce that stuff and how much oil goes into a windmill and all this stuff, and they tell you that we're going to run the entire world off of windmills and batteries or something. I mean, I'm sorry, folks. We're so far off. And then, obviously, what you're getting at is the geopolitics, too, right, with Ukraine and whatever. And on, on that one, I'm, I'm just a real politic guy with uh, John Mearsheimer at the University of Chicago uh, back in 14 said, don't be messing with Ukraine. Uh, don't do not get into this Euro talk and NATO talk. And uh, they're a buffer. Uh, and if you tick off the Russians, they're going to act. And now they have. And they said, that doesn't mean I'm not for Ukraine freedom. I am. Uh, but they had freedom. They were free to get rich, to be capitalists, to do whatever. And the only thing they weren't free to do, and this is a downside, uh, is invite NATO into their country. It, it, because the equivalent, right, the golden rule for us, how would we like it if Russia uh, parked uh, nukes and stuff in Cuba or in, on Mexico, which is our border? We wouldn't. We have a thing called the Monroe Doctrine. We don't allow that over here. And so we just lost our common sense. And I think there's, you know, I don't want to go into any conspiracy theories, uh, but the folks are pushing this war. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me in terms of the welfare of the Ukrainians, the, the welfare of the world. Uh, there was a deal on the table that would have ended with just a little bit of stuff over on the, the east side uh, of Ukraine. Uh, and now you're, you're talking about a monopoly on the entire Black Sea and uh, grain shortages and famines in Africa and all of this. So uh, it, it, we've goofed it up across the board. 
Congressman David Brad, indeed, we're all concerned about Ukraine and Russia's brazen aggression and the reported war crimes. Over 7 million people are displaced within Ukraine. The war in Europe is impacting economic growth across the rest and will adversely affect wheat exports to developing nations with very large populations dependent on Ukrainian agricultural exports. And there is also growing sentiment that this war was avoidable if America had a firm peace through strength. The Biden administration's chaotic and disastrous exit from Afghanistan, leaving NATO allies in the dark and its weak stance on the crisis on the U.S. southern border has even gathered criticism from members of Joe Biden's own political party. Hence, peace through strength matters, and weakness leads to mayhem and greater threats to America. And as we've talked about, our fellow Americans are focusing on urgent domestic issues, with gas prices skyrocketing and inflation adversely affecting families and small businesses. There are serious concerns of why our nation, led by the Biden administration, is spending over $40 billion plus in taxpayer funds for Ukraine, while rich European nations do not pay their fair share for Europe's defense. Our distinguished guest, Governor Phil Bryant, even shared that the Biden administration is responding to Ukraine as if it is the newly minted 51st state of the United States of America. And let us be clear, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. At the International Leaders Summit, since our earliest events, we've been talking about the importance of Europe paying their fair share. Isn't it time for America's legislators to say enough is enough? Isn't it time for Europe's NATO members to increase their defense spending to save 4% of their GDP, just like we do here in America, and step up to the plate? Congressman Dave Brad, what are your thoughts? And is it not time to see Europe's NATO members step up to the plate, spend 4% or more of their GDP on defense, or no longer be a part of the NATO club, taking full advantage of all the benefits of membership with Americans spending billions of dollars for Europe's defense? Yeah, yeah, all that's absolutely right. Uh, the money is is a disaster. Uh, yesterday, front page of the Financial Times, uh, Zelensky's on the front cover asking for more. At first, everyone was, you know, just politically correct. And you know, it's like the American taxpayer, you know, it's just, you want more benefits? Yes. You, should I raise your taxes to pay for those benefits? No. Right. So at, at first, it was a free lunch for Ukraine. Should we give them money and help them? Yes. Okay. I'm, now I'm going to send you the bill. No, I don't want that. Right. So the American people have got to wake up to this logic. Right. If you're not willing to raise your own taxes to pay for something, well, then quit voting for it and quit put the U.S. in a compromised position. And so that not, now we're uh, committed, right? We, we've committed and uh, we've sent uh, Ukraine down the primrose path, uh, not thinking about the welfare of their own people, right? I, I, get a, I get a sense some of the defense hawks and some of the global theorists uh, are, are, are so hardened of heart. Uh, that they just want to weaken Russia, and they see this as a potential way to weaken Russia and see if they'll crack, right? Their GDP cracks, the uh, military cracks, and that'll be worth it, right? We'll expend all of these Ukrainian girls and women and et cetera in a brutal war uh, to weaken Russia. Now, I don't think so. That's not the way America rolls. If it's the right thing to do, you do it. You don't worry about the money, right? And uh, so this is uh, just a mess uh, from uh, beginning to end. Dr. Brad, there is an antitrust legislation that is expected to be brought up for a vote on the Senate floor early this summer. And this legislation would block the big tech companies, including Amazon, Google, Apple, and Facebook, from favoring their own products 
and giving preferential treatment to their own services in the marketplaces that they operate in. While Big Tech has spent $36 million on ads to prevent this bill from even reaching the Senate floor, <laughs> only $200,000 were spent by the backers of the bill. And Dr. Brad, what are your thoughts about this antitrust legislation? Yep. And do you think that it could prevent the dominant position abuse by these social media giants in the market of products and services, as well as in the market of free opinions and free speech? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, right? I mean, the, the, the folks who set this country up, right? It, we talk about free markets, but no one knows what a free market is. A free market is a supply curve and a demand curve. And the supply curve is a bunch of firms that supply stuff. So you got choices, right? These are all monopoly positions. If you want to have a monopoly, then they should be a regulated public utility, right? And they get 7% profit, fine, good. Give them 7% profit. But they're making outrageous tons. And then they use their monopoly position to push other products, like you're saying, uh, to breed a, a, a more powerful monopoly position. And so it's just obviously corrupt. We need to break them up. We should have never allowed them to get here. It's got serious repercussions on the ownership of government and free speech, as we've all learned the hard way over the last two years as well. So, yeah, that's an easy one. We need, we need to start breaking them up. Uh, there should be, you know, at max, you know, 20% market share. Something like that. You should have at least five firms in every industry. Uh, and if you don't, it's a monopoly and uh, that's a problem. And a recent report from the Washington Examiner titled, Critics Fear Biden Helping China Leapfrog U.S. High Tech. And the report states, and I quote, the Biden administration is loosening up federal patent rules, opening the door for high-tech companies backed by the Chinese government to raid American inventions in the highly coveted 5G space, according to a chorus, a growing chorus of critics. In the latest red flag on the topic, three GOP senators are also warning that in watering down intellectual property protections, the administration could be jeopardizing national security at a time when China and other potential foes are outspending the United States on a 21st century technology by a mile, unquote. Dr. Brett, you have been a prescient voice and, and a leader on this issue on raising concerns about China for years. And you, in fact, addressed some of these issues at our Jerusalem Leaders Summit in Israel. When you look at what's happening today in Washington, D.C., is the Biden administration inept or incompetent when it comes to addressing China's theft of American IP? And what does the future hold for us to actually compete in this arena when you have an adversarial China rather than a competing China? Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, I was uh, in this stuff uh, before it was cool, right? And you guys were too. Back That was a few years ago we were talking about that. There's a book everyone ought to read. It's online it's by two Chinese colonels called uh, Unlimited Warfare, whatever. They announced the uh, bombing of the Trade Center uh, in 1999 when it was written uh, in, in their document, just saying, right, it's got a lot of other stuff, and now they're uh, generals uh, in China. So, yeah, it, it, this is not a cooperative uh, relationship anymore. It's competitive, and they've basically been at war with us uh, since that day, and uh, Americans are just finally waking up to it, right? And so now Biden, this is not uh, inept. It's calculated. He owes them. I don't know every way, shape, and form of that de debt, but uh, he's compromised by China. That's obvious. Uh, the good news is this uh, pandemic uh, has blown up 
uh, the global uh, supply chain network. And uh, the woke CEOs at the Fortune 500, et cetera, had to come to the shocking realization, which they did about a month ago, that they had to admit in public that communist Russia is not good. So this was hard. This was very hard for them to come to this, draw this conclusion. And uh, so once you draw that conclusion and you get shockwaves going globally all over every supply chain uh, and China's cracking up, right? Their growth, they, 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 they are back from 9% to 5% growth targets. And now the 5% growth targets are going down to 3%. And most of the people think they're in recession. They think they're at 0% growth, locking down these 30 million uh, person cities. And so China's in for a hard road, right? And so that, uh, that can break either way. Uh, one way is they may have to uh, say, hey, we got to deal with these free market people for a little bit longer. Uh, we're not quite strong enough to break out on our own yet and declare that we, we are the world's power. Or the other is they feel so threatened and so weak uh, that Xi Jinping says, uh, I'm going after Taiwan. I don't care what the consequences are. And we're just going to go cultural Chinese. And I don't care if 100 million people die. Uh, so crazy, uh, crazy calculations. Uh, both of those are in play uh, by, our, by our own defense uh, planners uh, right now. So yeah, China, everybody needs to go read up. Uh, there's a few good books out there. Uh, we had a China summit at Liberty. You can go Google that and see the, some of the authors speak. But the, the U.S. Uh, has to get its own uh, economy in order and start paying attention, like the Chinese do, to our intellectual property. And the greatest weakness we have is the kids uh, in K-12 are not being shaped to be engineers and mathematicians uh, and scientists. Uh, they're all studying this uh, woke social science stuff which uh, does not help economically at all, right? It, it doesn't enhance that's productivity. Right. And so that's on you, parents, uh, right? The government doesn't control your kid, you do. And so uh, let's get going. Absolutely. And on that very important front of education and empowering and enlightening a new generation, we've been following the great work that you have been accomplishing through Liberty University and specifically through the School of Business. And as Dean of the Business School, what are some of the forthcoming events and initiatives that we should be aware of at America's Roundtable and for our engaged listeners? Yeah, well, that's uh, nice of you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's Dean, Dean Dave Brat. I'm on the third floor of the business school. All you parents out there up in the greater Midwest where I'm from, bring your kids down here, juniors, seniors in high school. As well as the South. <laughs> yeah, and the South. Good. Yes, you guys are breaking forth all over the place. Come on over and visit. Bring your students. Uh, I'm, I'm working over the summer on a couple initiatives. We have 600 million uh, African Christian friends. Uh, who are, have great business opportunities. And so I met with about 18 ambassadors a couple of weeks ago from Africa. We're going to be meeting at the Bible Museum again uh, to plan our huge 500 CEO summit in the fall, uh, trying to align uh, U.S. business leaders looking at opportunities in Africa and uh, just getting uh, kind of a little opposition to the Fortune 500 guys I like calling them our, our guys and, and women, the uh, fortunate 500. And so we have a Judeo-Christian take on business uh, and values. And uh, no, we just have great, uh, powerful CEOs, uh, world-class CEOs coming uh, to Liberty. Last year, we had the former Secretary of Defense, the Attorney General, and John Maxwell and Ben Carson. And this year, we got Newt Gingrich and a bunch of other Secretary of the Navy coming. And, and uh, so we're, we're just all, uh, you know, 
Judeo-Christian uh, ethos based. And then, you know, constitutional rule, law, government, free market, just all the basic boring stuff uh, that you got to work on to make your country great. And so that's what we do at Liberty every day. We educate your kids in that, uh, not this modern nonsense. And uh, so that's why I like partnering up with you guys. We're all on the same page and I keep doing what you do. Well, thank you so much indeed, Congressman Dave Brad. I call you Congressman because that's the way I've known you for years, and we've appreciated the great work that you've done on Capitol Hill and the continued leadership at Liberty University as the Dean of Liberty University School of Business in Lynchburg, Virginia. Dr. David Brad, it's always a great privilege and a joy uh, and so enlightening to have you on America's Roundtable. God bless you, and we appreciate the great work you are accomplishing today. Thank Thank you, Dr. Brad. God bless you. Thank you, Tatasha. God bless everyone out there. Thank you. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lanza Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit and our distinguished guest hosts and presenters, the former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and the Honorable Morris McTeague, QSO. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.